0: Lord. He is so good, isn't he? God is just so good to be in his presence and to know how much he loves and cares about us. As we get ready to get into the Word today, uh, we've been in this series, Kingdom Living, and we've got this week and next week. And, and as we come into the end of the series, but we also are at the beginning of Advent, the beginning of this Christmas season. We need to be reminded again, right, how much Jesus loves us and wants to know us. Because that's what it's all about. Like, kingdom living can't happen if we don't come into relationship with the king. Like, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the creator of the universe, wants a relationship with you and I. That is amazing. And sometimes we can take it for granted, Sometimes we need to be reminded, and and as we get into his word today, we're going to look at one of the tougher sections of scripture. To be honest, like, Jesus doesn't hold back, but I'm so glad that he doesn't because behind it all is this love that he has for you and I, this desire that we would know Jesus. Today, the message idea, the big big idea, the title is Knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus, because that's honestly what we all need more of. It's funny right now, uh, this time of year is when Merriam-Webster comes out with their word of the year. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm always interested. Like, what's the, because the way they determine this is like, what's the, on their website, what is the most searched for word for that year? You know what won this year? I was actually drinking coffee yesterday morning. I grabbed this mug out of my uh, kitchen uh, cupboard and has the word authentic on it. And I thought, huh, that's, that's kind of funny because that's actually the word of the year this year. <laughs> it's authentic. And, and when you think about that, think what it says about the condition of our current society. That so many people like you and I just want to know anymore what's real. What, what's authentic? What, what actually is real? What can we trust? It's fake news, there's social media, there's... So many things that have pulled us sideways, and yet there's a longing heart to know what is authentic, what is real. I'm here to tell you the truth of God's Word is authentic. And the Lord that authored that, inspired that, and is behind it all, He's the real deal, and we can trust Him. He is authentic and real and wants to know you and I. When you come into relationship with Jesus, right? You're reminded that from the cradle to the cross, from the manger to the cross, Jesus's love is so great that, that He actually came and lived three, I mean 33 years, but three years of ministry demonstrated the power of God and who he was. Took the cross out of his great love for you and I stretched out his arms saying, I'll give up my life to pay the price for their sins, to invite them into a relationship with the holy God. Rose again three days later, demonstrating the power over death and sin and suffering and then offering you and I abundant life. That is the identity of the one who is trustworthy, who is good who is able, who I hope and pray no matter what else happens today, that you see and know that he loves you, he's for you, and he's got something today that he wants you to hear. So let's look at what does it mean to know Jesus. If you turn with me in the scriptures, we're in Matthew chapter 7. I'm actually going to pick up with the two verses I finished with last week, and we're going to look at three uh, sections where Jesus talks about believers the deceivers and the deceived. And he gives us three tests that we can know whether something is authentic or real. And and, in all of that, we'll pick up first in verse 13. Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Jesus lays out here, if you're taking notes, this reality that knowing Jesus leads to life transformation. Yeah. That, that actually to know Jesus is to know the one who created you, the one who has a plan for you, the one who says, hey, I love you as you are, but I'm not going to leave you there. I got more for you. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to change you. I'm going to do something with your life that will show up in a very broken world that is on a path. Did you catch it? There's a narrow gate. And there's a wide gate Uh, through the narrow gate Jesus would say in John 14 6 I'm the way the truth and the life no one can come to the Father except through me that he is the narrow gate in John chapter 10 he actually lays out that it's it's the good shepherd he is the good shepherd that when we hear his voice he invites us on paths of life John 10 10 says that actually there's a path of destruction that there's an enemy of our souls that's out there that's working in the world that loves nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy. But he's come to give life and life abundantly. And so when he says to, to go through the narrow road is hard, it is. But it leads to life. It's hard because once we've received Jesus, he wants to transform every aspect of our life. And that means that as you walk in a world that is filled with destruction, you're going to stand out or you're going to slip back in. That's right. And this is why he says that path, that path is super wide. It's, think of like a five-lane highway, right? Or a four-lane route 60 through Vero. It's wide, right? And there's many on it. And it leads to destruction. Destruction. The invitation from Jesus is to realize who he wants to be in our life, but then also through our life. That he wants to change us. He wants to transform us. There's this road test that he's laying out that helps us to recognize, if you're taking notes, real believers. Believers in Jesus Christ. This road test of recognizing believers means that that we actually begin to understand that we will have a contrast, salt and light, life and destruction, and that in that there's those that have gone before us and have helped us to understand what it means to to actually be those kind of people, because that could be a lot of pressure if we put it on on ourselves. but the beauty of the Lord Jesus is he says, you can't, but I will. You, You won't be able to do it, but I'll help you. And it's in that humility, in that recognition of who he is and what we need, that God really begins to work in the life of a believer and in the life of a community of believers. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a theologian and author, a pastor as well in Germany, he said this. He said, the community of the saints is not an ideal community consisting of perfect and sinless men and women. Isn't that good news? where there is no need for further repentance. No, it is a community which proves that it is worthy of the gospel of forgiveness by constantly and sincerely proclaiming God's forgiveness. It is a community of men and women who have genuinely encountered the precious grace of God and who walk worthily of the gospel by not casting the grace recklessly away. When we understand how much we need him, the transformation, the regular forgiveness, the regular grace that we're not perfect. It invites us to live for him in the ways that then on the path to destruction, people begin to notice the difference. Like, let me just tell you, if nobody's ever noticed that you're a believer outside of the church, whoo, church. There may be something going on in your life that Jesus wants to transform today. Because he actually says that you and I are... To be out among, on this path of destruction, those that bring life. Amen. We're to be actually those that see and act and love and serve like Jesus. Amen. He actually says that how we smell matters. So if you didn't take a shower today, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, if you, if you didn't take a shower, that's on you. But <laughs> listen to what 2 Corinthians 2 verse 15 and 16 says about the aroma of Christ. It says, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? The reality is we're, we're not sufficient, but he is and he wants us to be the aroma of Christ on that road. That, that road that he calls us down, the narrow road that there's moments where it's hard, but it's because we need him so we don't fall into our old behaviors. What is destruction? It's turning to things that we used to turn to. It, it's turning to anxieties and anger. And, and, and I'm preaching to myself right now, right? Like it's, it's turning to all those things that cope with the, the things instead of turning to Jesus. So we get triggered and, and we start binging Netflix. Or we get triggered by something and we start scrolling endlessly at night on social media. Or we turn to Ben and Jerry's. That was about actually how it went in first service too. I think we have a problem with Ben and Jerry's. We, we turn to things instead of turning to Jesus. Jesus. And see, when he says the narrow way is hard but leads to life, it's because he wants to say, hey, instead of turning to those things, let me invite you out. Let me do something in your life where I can be the aroma, where I can use you with others on the road. It's actually one of my favorite passages in the book of Acts where a man named Philip who has a booming ministry, he's an evangelist, things are going well, people are being saved and baptized and delivered and... And he he knows Jesus. And because he knows Jesus, he doesn't stay where the action is. He actually listens and allows God to invite him out to be the aroma on a desert road between Jerusalem and Gaza to actually talk to somebody that needs to hear about Jesus. Let me read it to you. In Acts chapter 8, picking up in uh, verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, so here's somebody who's in government, who's in charge, who's trying to worship God, but still doesn't know Jesus. Are you tracking It says, and he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. The spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. A nice way of saying, go over, stop it. I mean, can you imagine? Stop that vehicle and get in in the vehicle with him, right? This is what's happening. He says, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And he asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Can I just tell you, part of being the aroma of Christ is being willing to sit with people that need to understand more about the God that you serve and the Jesus that you know. So if all you're ever doing is sitting and receiving but never sharing, come on, church. There is something God wants to do through your life. And he's willing, because all of us have at probably some level that moment where somebody was willing to sit with us and say, hey, you heard this or read this in the Bible, let me help you understand it. Good cup of coffee, maybe a small group, maybe it's, you know, a a lunch, whatever it looks like, our life groups, our classes, all of those are places where we're supposed to be putting our arm around each other, sitting down and doing that. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's a part of the transformation is being willing to be those kind of people. Which I didn't say this this strongly in first service, but that might mean that you get less time to yourself. That you get less time to go to the beach, to go shopping, to go to the movies, to watch the latest show. But you get more time to let God use you and be who he wants to be through you. That's what it's going to take for us to be the body of Christ, church so he goes on he says uh, uh, verse 32 it says now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent so he opens not his mouth in his humiliation justice was denied him who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth that would confuse anybody right and so the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or someone else?" Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus, because he knew Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, "Here is water. What presents me or prevents me from being baptized?" And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. You may have noticed my shirt says, from death to life. These are our new baptism shirts. This is what we celebrate in the act of baptism. is that moment when somebody has had the light bulb go on and they say, I, I know Jesus and I want to celebrate his life through baptism. My old life as I go under the water is is symbolically dead. It's, it's over. Jesus paid the price. And just as Jesus rose, I come up out of the water, bearing public witness, declaring my testimony that I've come to life because of knowing Jesus. And just as, you know, he said, hey, there's water. Can I be baptized? There's water. Amen. And if God is leading you today and you've never been baptized as a confessing believer, come, in fact, right now, Like, literally, you can get up and go find one of our staff and talk about that, because that matters more than anything else I'm going to say, if you've never done that. Now, we baptized seven people in first service. We have five signed up in this service already. Y'all, God is moving. And it's transformation, right? It's, It's what he's about. And he's inviting each of us, I believe, to be a part of that. Now, the thing about that is as we're on that road, he doesn't just finish there right he he goes on in a few more verses and he begins to talk about not just the road test but the fruit test because he knows while we travel on the road there's going to be lots of chatter lots of voices some of them are going to tell us stuff that sounds good but may actually be things that lead us astray so let let me read to you next the next warning the next test about the deceivers y'all ready whoo It is powerful. Matthew 7, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. If you're taking notes, knowing Jesus is based on this idea that he transforms us from the inside out. And it's really easy... To, to fake it at times, and this is what he's saying, is that there are those that would fake it that actually would sound good and sound right, but actually don't have the fruit of God in their life. And, and he's saying one of the tests is the fruit test, which we can apply to our own life, but we can also apply to those we listen to, because we live in a day and age right now that Scripture taught about, where you can go out and you can find whatever teaching you want to, to fit whatever you want to hear or believe. I mean, anybody else? Like, you got your podcast group, you got your playlist. You you might even take a, a message or something you're listening to, and you're you're three minutes in, and you you get triggered and go, uh-uh. Skip to the next week. Skip to the next one. And, and here's the thing: I think what Jesus is trying to good at is to to help us understand. Like, yeah, there's there's some stuff we need to be aware of that's not good. And, and if all you're ever doing is pursuing teaching that comforts you and encourages you right where you're at, but never challenges, never teaches, rebukes, corrects, tells you maybe you still got something to work on? I mean, come on, y'all. Jesus wants us to grow up. Listen to what 2 Timothy said. In in, uh, 2 Timothy 4, verse 3 and 4, it says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears. They will... Accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. We need to look beyond what sounds good and also make sure that the fruit is there. And let me be clear the fruit test, you can just put that up there if you're taking notes, helps us to recognize deceivers. And we need to understand that what we often attribute as fruit may be the fruit God's talking about. It could be. As Americans, we often think of bigger is better. And we can think that if there's more people and there's more listeners and more subscribers and more views, that that automatically is a sign of God's blessing and fruit. Please understand that it needs to still pass the fruit test. It could be. That God is growing a ministry or growing a church. But it also may not pass the test. And we've seen this in our generation, in the last two generations, right? Ministry after ministry. Where behind the scenes, the fruit test was not being passed. That the character had outstripped the root and the ministry fell over. Come on, church. Can we just be honest for a minute? Can we be authentic? So so what, what are what is the fruit test then? Well, it may be, it may be, some of the things we're talking about, right? Blessing and 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 seeing you know God work and move and grow something. But it also has to do with character, and the apostle Paul in Galatians 5 addressed this. I think this is a great test for all of us. Let me just go there in Galatians chapter 5. It's the difference between the flesh and the spirit. It's in verse 16 that it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So he's saying, listen, through that narrow road, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard at times to stay in the Spirit. But if you're out here and you're in the flesh, that's destruction. You know what that looks like. You were in that life, and you're still seeing that life all around you. He's saying there's a difference in what it means to know Jesus and from the inside out to let his spirit move through you. Look at what he says next. But, can you say but? but. <laughs> I love the big buts in the Bible, don't you? All right, I'm just trying to lighten it up a little. Was that too much? I mean, seriously, like if there's a therefore, it's there for a reason because God just said something really good. And if there's a but in the Bible, it's usually a pretty big one because it's saying, this is what you heard, but this is what I got for you. Listen to what he has for you. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And man, he doesn't hold back. May we hear this. This is the path to destruction. He says, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, division, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Come on, Jesus. Tell it like it is. Right? He says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, say but, but, but the fruit of the Spirit, and this is one of the inside-out pieces. This is what he does. He, he allows through his Spirit, as we know Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit are these nine things that he lists here. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So part of knowing Jesus is realizing he wants to transform us. Part of knowing Jesus is knowing he wants to move from the inside out. That when we get out of our flesh and into the spirit, we will start bearing fruit in the world we will start being the very people that show up as the aroma of Christ. That's passing the road test and the fruit test. And my hope and prayer today is that if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that this next part I'm about to get into invites you in to what this is really all about. Because if you're trying to pass these tests on your own, you're not gonna be able to. In fact, that's, that's what we all need to be reminded of, right? None of this is meant to be done without knowing Jesus. That's the whole point. And what Jesus says next are a few of the most terrifying words and verses in all of Scripture. And I got to tell you, like, this whole message is one that you better believe, like, I take it very seriously with the Lord to examine myself, to work through anything he's showing me. So I don't bring this out of a, out of a sense of, you know, anything other than we need to wrestle with the things that Jesus taught. And and as I share these few verses, you need to hear what's underneath of it that they would have understood in the first century Jewish context as they heard it. They would have understood that as he says this, he is affirming his identity as the Messiah, as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because he tells the authority he has. That's the God that is saying, I want to know you. Let me read it to you. Verses 21 through 23. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then, will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. It is possible to be around the things of God. It is possible to be around a church and not know Jesus. You see, it's not based on our works. If you're taking notes, knowing Jesus is based on his work, not ours. And this is vital to understand because no amount of effort, no amount of self-sufficiency, no amount of trying will ever be enough. It will always fall short. And the great deception that is happening is the enemy trying to teach us that it might be possible in our works to, to do what God has asked us to do, to, to prove we're worthy. And, and he's saying, no, there are some that, that actually will be around and we'll, they'll, they'll say Lord and they'll act the part and they'll say the things, they'll serve, they'll show up to church, they'll give. But, you know, Monday through Saturday, it's a whole different story. In fact, they don't know Jesus and that's my invitation to you, right, is when you know Jesus... He's a a seven-day-a-week, 52-week-a-year, 365-day-a-year reality. And that's the invitation is to realize he ain't just showing up in your life today. He wants to show up tonight, tomorrow, Tuesday, Thursday, and any actual day with the word D-A-Y or the letters D-A-Y at the end. That's the awesome opportunity of knowing Jesus. And it's his work, not ours, that, that leads us So Let me give you an example. Uh, I brought this with me. I have one more thing to show you. So, you know, this is actually one of my favorite teams. Now, don't, don't some of you get triggered, okay? But the reality is, you know, I, you know by now, many of you, I'm a big Michigan football fan, okay? And... Uh, I, I won't even talk about the season and all the stuff, right? But, but what I'll say is, um, this started when I was about 9 or 10. I fell in love as a kid with, with this team. And I'm a fan of the team, right? I, I, I love the team. I love the season we're having. I'm excited about it. Some of you would go, well, what, what do you know about them? Not a lot, because I didn't go to school there. Didn't play on the team. In fact, academically, my works weren't good enough. I barely got, you know, like I I did just enough to get on honor roll. I couldn't get in. Athletically, I played football, but I wasn't talented enough to play for Michigan. My works weren't enough. Are you tracking with me? So for years, I've been a fan that that team knows nothing about. They don't care that I'm talking about them today. They don't know me. Are you seeing the correlation? It's possible to be a fanboy, a fangirl, to celebrate, to act the part. But it's a whole nother to actually be on the team, to actually be a part of what God is doing and inviting him in and knowing him. I'm going to try to get this off, okay? Some of you need me too just to survive the rest of the message. All right, there you go. All right. Hopefully you see what the illustration is trying to help us to realize. You can be around all of this and never have taken the step to know Jesus. And our heart is that you would make that step, that you would know that Jesus loves you and wants a relationship with you. I'll never forget, I I was... Uh, 19 at the time, I was in a setting where somebody was talking about the difference between religion and relationship and taking up your cross and following Jesus. And, 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 my parents were in the first service today and I grew up in a great Christian home. And every time the church was open from age, you know, one to like 18, we were there. But somehow, some way I missed the message of Jesus and knowing what a relationship with him looked like. And it was at that moment at age 19 that I really encountered the face of Jesus, the cross of Jesus, the love of Jesus, and said, I knew about you, but I didn't really know you because I was holding on and not surrendering to let him in. Maybe that's you today. Maybe, maybe it's you and it's a first time decision to say I need to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior and know him. Or maybe for you it's, 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 he wants you to fully know him. You, you've been holding on to things. You've been kind of doing the, looking the part at the right times when the right people are. And isn't that exhausting? I mean, I mean, come on, isn't it exhausting to constantly be, be worried about your image and performance? To just be able to let go and say, it's his work, not mine. And again, it's messy and we're not perfect, but we have a God who wants to transform us from the inside out. So the relationship test is real, and this was the last test, right? We had the road test, the fruit test, and the relationship test. And the relationship test actually reveals that there's a great deception. There's a great deception that's happening where we're almost lulled to sleep to believe that we don't actually need a relationship with Jesus. That That being around the things of God is enough. And this is, again, what I think Jesus is inviting us out of, is to really know him. The last few verses I'm going to read today point us to to that reality. Earlier we received communion. We were reminded who Jesus is, as the bread of life. Let me just read to you in John chapter 6 a few verses. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So the world creates on the path to destruction a hunger and thirst for things that are not God. And some of us are hungering and thirsting for those things. And Jesus is saying, come to me. He said to you, uh, verse 36, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. The assurance of our salvation. Isn't that good? For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. And verse 40 is where we finish today. Let this sink in. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That is good news. That is the gospel. That is how we know Jesus, is looking to him, believing in him. I'm just here to encourage you today, if you haven't done that, to take that step. In fact, we can put our next step questions up for today. The first is, do you know Jesus? And some of you, it's, as I mentioned, it's a first step to confess with your mouth, believe with your heart, and ask him to be Lord. Others of you, you've known about Jesus, and he's saying, I want you to know me. You want to change your life? You want to change your 2024? You want to experience life as it's meant to be? Get to know Jesus. Secondly, what do you need to do today to obey Jesus and know him more fully. What is he showing you? What's he revealing? What aspect of your life is he saying, hey, you're on this road right now. Get back where you're supposed to be. Or is it a fruit issue, right? Is it, is it something that you're falling into because you've always fallen into it and God's saying, no, turn to me. Let me pull you out of that. Yet, you, you ever caught yourself Like, just, you don't even know why that Ben and Jerry's is in your hand, or why you're scrolling for two hours, or why you just allowed that gossip to come out of your mouth and that backbiting. And you immediately feel it, and that's the spirit if you're a believer. That's the spirit of God saying, I've got something better for you. So rather than hiding it, what would it look like to say, Jesus, I want you to know every part of my life, because you already do? I'm gonna quit hiding. I'm going to bring it to you because I want to know you in every aspect. And here's what will happen. Your life will begin to change from the inside out. And I believe you'll start to be used by God in new ways. We're in your neighborhood or in the church or in the grocery store or at the beach or at work. Somebody notices there's something different about you. You don't seem like you're on the same path. I'm seeing fruit out of you. I'm seeing, they won't say fruit, likely. If they do, that's a different conversation. (laughs) But they're going to say, there's something that just seems different about you. What is it? That's where God begins to use us and life takes on a whole new meaning. So I'm going to pray over us. And then we have an opportunity uh, to baptize some folks today that are making that decision. As I pray, what I'm going to do is create a really awkward pause in the middle of the prayer. You're going to think that I forgot about you. You're going to think maybe I fell asleep. You're going to be tempted to open your eyes and see if I'm still here. But I'm just telling you in advance, I want to give 30 to 60 seconds in the middle of the prayer to just allow you to breathe and to do business with God. To just say, God, here's what I think you're showing me. I want to know you, whatever that looks like, okay? Let me pray. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you that with these warnings and these tests, ultimately underneath it all is an invitation from you to know you, the God of the universe. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your invitation today. I thank you that you want to transform our lives from the inside out and use us authentically to make a difference in the world. Right now, Father, I just want to create space for us to do business with you. So these next few seconds, this next minute, it's yours. Have your way. Jesus, we are in awe of your love, your mercy, and your grace. And we celebrate you and your work today. As we move into a time of baptisms, I pray that there would be great joy in those being baptized. That there'd be great joy in your body as we baptize people that are declaring from death to life their story in you. We praise you. We give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Amen, amen. So we have our